Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. this season and in the battle that seems to be Everton against the world Everton are winning it's Nottingham Forest nil Everton won very pleased uh, mentality was excellent I thought and has been for a long time uh, I think it continues to build uh, the winning edge of a side I think that's uh, three away wins on the trot which is not easy in the Premier League we know that um, but a lot of good things today and, and coming here you know they've made this a really tough place to, to come to um, and so very pleased for the players and obviously out of our hands, but it's a restart again. You know, it's another step in the right direction, but there's plenty more steps to go. Hello, Blues. This is the Toffee Web Podcast coming to you early in what promises to be a busy December and the middle of what is a busy week that will see Everton play three matches in eight days. 
One of those games is, of course, already in the books. A final win way in Nottingham Forest that extends the Blues' recent run to four away wins in five, lifts them off the bottom of the table and to within two points of that dreaded dotted line separating 17th place from the relegation zone. Uh, here to discuss Saturday's victory at the city ground and look ahead to two difficult home games is the full squad of myself, Lyndon Lloyd, Anna McCulloch, Andy Howard, Al Bretland, and Paul Trail will hopefully be joining us very soon. And uh, seeing as you were there and waxing lyrical about what a boss away day it was, Al, <laughs> it seems interesting that we start with you. A uh, really important win in the context of where we were after Burnley's win earlier in the day, but a pleasingly spirited and gritty performance, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was a. I think it feels like a very big moment. I think um, after the disappointment of the Man U game, where we thought we'd come out of the traps flying after the points deduction, I just felt like um, the players really showed what they were about. Um, and as you say, it was a spirited battle and display. You know, I don't think there's there was loads of quality on on display, but it was it was just good to see like Dwight McNeil having a really good game, James Garner being excellent in the middle. Tarkovsky and Bronthwaite again, just you know, solidifying that partnership. Um, it's something that you don't really have to worry about. Mikalenko was great. Um, just a great game all round, and it was it was really pleasing as well that you know, in the absence of Dominic Calvert Lewin, Everton were were still able to function. You know, because for the eighteen months before this season, we simply haven't been able to. So it's good that you know that 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 shows that the squad has been improved as well. You know, and and Everton are are making steps forward, and I think. You know, although the home form's been really disappointing with the away, with the you know the results away, you know, I think, you know, Everton are a top twelve Premier League side. I think, I I, I don't think that we are relegation fodder any anymore. I think you know the previous two seasons, I think we've just got into a bit of a mess, into a rut. We've had you know a very unbalanced side, but now the 14, 15, 16 players that we're calling on at the moment. There's enough there. You know, this is a team, a decent side. You know, it, it's not going to pull up any trees, but it's going to get points, I think. Um, and that's what was really pleasing. You know, against the Nottingham Forest side, they were down there as well to go there. And, you know, as, as you mentioned, I was there. Really good atmosphere, really good club, great stadium. Um, and, you know, it was it, they, they similar to Everton. You know, they've got a, a proud history there of the Brian Clough years, which they show on the big screen. They really, you know, ramp it up. And it was like a goosebumps moment. So to see that, see how they responded in their second season and then for Everton to just go and take the three points was just was just excellent. So, yeah, I think, you know, Saturday was a, a lot about Everton showing their character. And I think they did that really well. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I don't think it was necessarily our best performance of the season, but it was one of the performances where I felt the least concern and... A good part of that was down to how we played. I also think that Nottingham Forest were pretty atrocious and pretty insipid. Um, I think the big difference in this reverse fixture last last season was that they had Brennan Johnson, a player of real quality in the final third. And you saw in the game on Saturday evening that really they were, they were kind of missing that little bit of an X factor. And luckily for us, although we too had some pretty wasteful moments and certainly didn't always look comfortable and clinical the one chance that we really had to take we took and it was it was it was the best best moment of the game it was the it was it was a really sublime finish from Dwight McNeil uh, the paintbrush as it's known uh now apparently um, apparently so yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I'm not sure how much that's going to catch on but I mean Dwight McNeil's <laughs> been a bit more of a sort of a roller so far this season but he's covered a lot of ground 
um, without very, any very good. Uh, thank you. Uh, me and my team been working on that one all afternoon, but um, yeah. I think uh, I think it was it was really pleasing to see him take that chance, particularly with the, with the chance he had just before half time as well. Um, I think I'll do his confidence a world of, world of good. Um, so yeah, a really pleasing result. Massive, massive, massive three points in the context of things. And as Elle says, we are without that ten point deduction, we are comfortably, comfortably in that mid table position. And I feel this performance, winning games like this, felt very noisy, and it felt like a kind of Bolton or Wigan away, didn't it? It felt like something that we ground out. We didn't necessarily have to be at our best, but you knew that there was enough in the tank to get us over the line, and that's really pleasing. These are the kind of games against sides like Forest that we need to win. So hopefully it just brings that belief into the group ahead of two really big, big games at Goodison coming up. Well, looking at the table, we are literally a top 12 team if you give us our points back. So, you know, we, we are punching above where we deserve to be um, points-wise if you give them back. Um, and I think this proved it, really. We, we are a better side than Forest. But for me, that's why it was such a nervous watch. I, I think it was the most nervous I've been watching Everton since, certainly since the end of last season when it was pretty obvious we had to get points. Um, just because when you've got a game like that, and we've said this before, and actually you go, but your mind goes back to Forest last year. When you've got a game in the Premier League, when you're, you're in the bottom third of the division, and you're on top, and you're clearly the better team. You've got to win those games, because if you look at the games we've got coming up, you know it might be more difficult to get points. Um, and it, it was my my nervousness, and I got to be honest, my kind of um, mad ramblings on the Toffee Web podcast group um, <laughs> kind of summed that up, because I didn't, I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing wasn't going to end in a win. That was that was my frustration. It wasn't as if we were poor and I was thinking, oh no, we're we're rubbish. It was like we, we've got to win this game because we're the better team in it. And it was just the end bit, wasn't it? It was just the end bit. We created loads of, I would call them situations rather than chances. You know, so many times we once again I've said this so many times this season. We could have made the pass to make the pass to make the goal. It was that. Mm-hmm. Just a bit before the assist that we just couldn't get right again. And you could just see it kind of dwindling into a nil-nil, really. And it would have been so unjust and it would have felt like a bit more like a defeat. But um, I'm really pleased we managed to do it in the end. And it feels big. It feels big, those three points. Um, Not only for the table, because, of course, we're still within that win of Luton if we never get these points back. But also, just I think it um, it was our f- if we've been kind of down on the canvas. This was our first punch back, wasn't it? This was us kind of really yeah. Yeah. being back on the front foot, going, "Come on, we we can do this." And I just felt like the United experience. It was almost too much. It was some, so much had happened in that week or so, and it was it, and it was at Goodison, and it was under the lights, and it was against a team that you're never really sure what's going to what, what going to turn up, and then. That thing happens two minutes in, and it just kind of completely deflates it. But I, I, I feel like this week we we properly showed that we are we are fighting back, and that was it was great. And 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 I I, I envy you so much, Al, being in that away end because it looked 
it looked fantastic. And I watched, I watched all. It was one of those games on the telly when you watch all of the post-match stuff, just so they show you shots of the fans, and you were still there, kind of twenty minutes later. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, the, the perfect day to start fighting back. Yeah, away wins are so much fun because. Hey, you know, you're obviously going in there as the underdog in most situations. Most teams do, you know, you're never sort of guaranteed the three points. And you're obviously, you're in their house and you can give it, give it loads. And, and yeah, it's just, uh, it's always fun to win away from home. And, and I, I liked on the spirit of what, what you were saying, Andy, about Everton sort of fighting back. I like that last line that we played on the intro of, of the BBC commentary where it says, if, if it feels like if it's, it's Everton against the world, you know, Everton, are up, which... You know we are at the moment, and and long you know and long may that continue. I think everything that all three of you said is completely right. That that coming off the back of that that United game and performance, which really did feel like a bit of a gut punch, and that you know, it could have gone the other way. It could have, you know, the players could have got to a point where they thought, you know, what we've been through two two um, you know two relegation struggles that have really been of the clubs making, and of course you can argue, you know the the legalities of yes, this is this. The points deduction is also the clubs making, and that's a discussion for another day. But this really wasn't a, the the players' uh, fault. You know, the fact that they're in this situation again, and so to see them come out and and have the determination, the unity, and the drive that they did against Forest was so was so great to see. Um, and that again, you know, it's cre- it's credit to Sean Dyche. Um, I think he's you know he's just there's this focus on on just keeping things simple and focusing on the basics and. Um, and just sort of creating that that mentality that he always talks about. I mean, you know, f- fair play to him. I think we'll always, with every manager, you're going to have your misgivings about certain decisions. Um, certainly, you know, Mr. Mr. Young that we keep talking about, you know, I think that on another day he might have been tested more. Um, you know, he, he got his, uh, gave away his customary early free kick. But apart from that, I think, you know, he managed, um, he managed um, Anthony Alanga quite well. Um, I was surprised at the, the fact that Forrest didn't use either of the wingers more. You know, Morgan Gibbs-White and Alanga were both sort of the, the two players that you'd worry most about. Um, but they, they didn't really cause us all that There was that many problems until the, until the end. Um, I, it, the, it was a nervy conclusion. I agree, Andy. I think as I put in the group, I wasn't quite as nervous as you were just because sometimes you just have a feeling about whether the other team's actually going to get it done where they're actually going to find the way through. And I just, I just felt just by watching the, the pattern of the game that Forrest just weren't on it. And, um, you know, so obviously, <laughs> obviously there are no guarantees. And when the final whistle blows, it's just like, yes, come on, because it really was, you know, in the context of everything that's happened and uh, where we were in the table coming into the game, a massive three points, because as I think, as I put in my match report, going into Newcastle and Chelsea at home, Given our the quality of those two teams, given our home record, I mean to be sitting on you know at the bottom of the table, with only four points after fourteen games, it really does feel dire. You know, if you if you look if you think back to how things were the last couple of seasons, I mean that kind of points return after after th- after fourteen games would have been like holy hell. You know, only, this is only going to go one way. So uh, yeah, absolutely made up that they got the win, and uh, I think I think. When we did our preseason predictions. I had us finishing twelfth. So right now, points back, please, uh, Premier League uh, overlords. And that that prediction seemed quite as nutty as it did at the time. I think what's really encouraging as well is that you know, with, although the home form, the away form does contrast so much. Everton's away record. We only need two more points to have the best record in the entire league. Now, if you'd have told. 
if you'd have said that to us over the last two years to be better on the road than City, Arsenal, you know, United, that that is a huge thing that Dyche has done. Uh, to have that game plan, to have that togetherness. And what I really loved is when the board went up for six minutes extra time, the defiance that Everton showed to keep hold of those three points. James Tarkovsky was heading everything. And there was a moment in the in the game as well. It, it sort of summed up to me what we've been through in the last few years and what the likes of Jordan Pickford, Calvert-Lewin, the players who've been there a few years, it, it showed what they've been through because... There was a loose ball and Jordan Pickford sort of slid out, tackled the player, and he sort of celebrated like it was a goal. And I feel like that was a big moment for him because of everything he's been through. You know, battling relegation, the 10 points, because he must be thinking himself for his own career. You know, myself and Everton are, are doing well again this season and we've been battered down again. And it was, it was just great to see the players really, really battling like that and... and you know, doing it for Everton and doing it for themselves. I think McNeil as well, you know, when he scored the goal, it was great to see the Everton players go to the Forest fans and celebrate. It, it, they've got that, that like, swagger and that confidence. And, you know, that, that as you, as we've mentioned, that us-against-the-world mentality. You know, they've scored and they've, they've given it to the home fans. And I, I love that because I think character can really, you know, push you a long way in the Premier League. So that that's really good as well, That you know, the record on the road. It's just forever improving, and you know that that confidence is massive. Absolutely. Welcome to Paul Trail, who's just dropped in. Um, Paul, we've been, uh, yeah, we've been uh, waxing lyrical about the spirit and determination that uh, carried us over the line in, the, in that match at Forest. How did you see it? Yeah, there's, oh, obviously I've heard that you guys have just said, but there's probably not an awful lot I can add to all the, uh, <laughs> the superlatives that, uh, yeah, I could only agree with the last sort of 30 seconds of what Al said. <laughs> then, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it was, uh, I thought he did really, I thought he did really well. Um, I found this sort of a, lot, a little bit miffed at the media, some of the media I heard sort of like the next day. It, it, you'd have thought it was like a real sort of knife edge game, which we just about fluked like from some of the report. And God, unless that was just me being paranoid. I thought um, that was a bit strange. But no, I thought we did really well. It was a really good away performance. Um, doing brilliant on the road, aren't we? It's, it's, it, 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 yeah, we just obviously got to turn a bit of that home form around, but can't fault the players at all. I thought they were, I thought they were excellent. Um, few standout players there. I think that one of sort of seems to sneak under the radar a little bit for me was Adris Gay had a really, really good game and I, I think like Garner got all the deplorers they had a very good match too. But um for was right I'll let Adris Gay and I thought he had a pretty good game against Man United too. So he's uh, with an on about he he stepped up pretty well these last few games. But um yeah, good all round, wasn't it? Really, really good, uh, really enjoyable performance. I'm glad you mentioned the uh, media reaction there, Paul, because I think it was the Daily Mirror who gave James Garner, who uh, was everyone's man of the match, <laughs> yeah. uh, a paltry five out of ten, which uh, that's pretty much that's, that's pretty much the reaction, isn't it? It's uh, yeah. So I, I I I agree. I think it it wasn't it wasn't a, it wasn't like we spectacularly outplayed Forest, but. And, and obviously you see stats and you see they had more possession. We had a few more chances as well. But I don't think anyone would come away from that game and say we, we didn't deserve to win it. The few chances that they really created were very late on. And um, and as you say, I think the likes of Gay, Garner, controlled the middle of the park. And yeah, right to particularly highlight Garner because we know his limitations going forward, but he does play a really, really big part in the goal, doesn't he, with the weight of that mm. pass into Harrison. So it's good to see him getting involved higher up the pitch, particularly when we haven't got Anana, who we know 
does that sort of thing pretty well. Um, it's nice to have Gay coming in now and looking a bit more like his old self and a bit more confident. Um, and I'm just really glad that Beto didn't 50p that uh, header over the bar for a, a goal kick because that that really looked like what was going to happen until it uh, until it fell at McNeil's feet. <laughs> yeah. He, he, he probably should have. He, he probably did he just mistimed his header really better. It was a good height, right? So, claiming claim assist for the dummy. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah just as well. Looked to me like it was a bit high for him, and I'm glad yeah, that he didn't because he could have actually yeah. got a knock on it and sent it past McNeil, which obviously would have been, uh, mm. which unfortunately would have capped off Beto's day because um, <laughs> he obviously missed <laughs> that, that guilt edge chance. And I think there's a feeling that, you know, he's just so desperate to get this first Premier League goal that he's probably trying a bit too hard. But, I mean, when when it does go in, I uh, the reaction that he's going to have is going to be something else. He's probably going to be uh, ripping his shirt off and jumping into the crowd or something. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I feel for him. I think, um, you know, he's obviously... He's obviously not had the run of games that he would need to kind of settle into the Premier League and, and really sort of find his feet. I think it's a bit too early to kind of assess his, uh, you know, his limitations at this point and, and what sort of impact he might have over the course of a season. Uh, certainly, he's a handful, and I think that is the uh, that's your number one requirement. If you don't have Calvert Lewin, you need someone up front to uh, to to occupy those defenders um, and keep them busy. Um, I, I just, I'd like, to, I'd, I'd like to think that there's someone at Finch Farm is going to help him to actually, to win some of those aerial battles because for a lot of his size, he doesn't actually win many of the balls that we're putting forward, um, and uh, some of the hold-up play, you know, his first touch can be a bit iffy. So I think, I'm hoping that with with time, he can, he can, uh, you know, he can find his feet and some of those things will come because um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to judge him too too soon, but uh, yeah, I mean. Yeah, you know, he scores that goal, and, and obviously things are very, very different. Um, but yeah, not, 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 not a bad presence to have up there when you don't have Calvert Lewin. I think you're right about the football he's played. I mean, he probably would have expected at this point to have played an awful lot more, um, arriving for the fee he did with yeah. Calvert Lewin's injury record. You're probably thinking that he's kind of, we may have been thinking he's played himself into the side by now. Um, I just think he's coming cold and. Yeah, it's all the bits are all over the place, aren't they? Really, I mean, you can you can tell everything's kind of there, but it's just it's he's, he's the dec- dictionary definition of somebody trying to score a goal and trying far too hard. Yeah. Um, the one in the second half that cleared the the stand um, was it was just wild, and there was so many better options around him. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think. Um, I think, I think you're right. I, th- I think he can he can perform a role, but I think he just desperately needs any goal to go in in the Premier League and he'll be a different player. Just to put his presence into context, though, as well, he's played 382 minutes in total. And of those games, Everton have won seven of them when, he, when he's appeared. So it, it just goes to show that, you know, having that focal point, it's not even a case of him necessarily winning the aerial duels or holding the ball up. It's just giving the defenders something to think about. And I think the fact that he can hold it up and I think, you know, his size and his pace, I think he's probably very difficult to defend against because you're not sure whether he's going to come short for it or whether he's going to run the channel. So, you know, 382 minutes, seven seven of the games he's appeared in, Everton have won. And I think that's the difference from this season and last. 
especially having Chimiti on the bench as well, which we were able to bring on. You know, I've seen a few people say that Chimiti wasn't great and was a bit of a headless chicken against Forrest, but he gave the defenders something to think about, and that's what Everton have been so lacking. So I think, again, you know, the two really important signings, I think, you know, the centre-forward area and that centre-back pairing have, have transformed Everton into a, a relegation-threatened side, into a team that can go 1-0 up and then hold on to it as well. Um, so I think it's it's only going to get better, really, for Beto. Um, and, you know, that will get better for Everton. Better, better, better. <laughs> I, I think... I think the thing the thing is he he's similar enough to Dom even if he's not as polished at the hold up play yeah um, at finishing he's similar enough that when he comes into the side we don't look like a totally different outfit whereas obviously last season with Mope it was it was night and day and the great thing now is Mope's an option when we're not playing and when he's <laughs> when he's scoring against Luton it's great so uh, it's it's a win win all around isn't it but I I think yeah he's he's clearly not had enough time in the team and and hopefully say we progress in the league cup um obviously we we know we're facing the third round of the fa cup now as well so hopefully he'll get some minutes there and start and particularly over this busy winter period as well we don't know how long dom's going to be out so you'd, you'd think with more minutes and yeah maybe with a bit of a cool ahead and someone saying you know it's not all about the goals he will take one of these chances because I, I don't think it's a case of a i don't know an umar nias where quite early on we write Better off. There's there's enough that we've seen there. Uh, certainly in that header against Doncaster, but I'm still waxing lyrical mm-hmm. about. Um, <laughs> there's enough. There's enough of a player there that we've got something to work with. And as you say, El, the fact that Chimiti's there as a similar sort of auxiliary option. Although I think I've moved around my flat more in the last sort of five minutes than Chimiti did when he came on. Um, but still, he he does look dangerous off the bench. He's, he he seems to offer something usually. Um, so we're certainly, certainly stronger in that area of the park than we were last season, where you're really scratching your head at times thinking, oh, so Damari, well, look at Forrest last season, Damari Gray played as a false nine up front. It's a, it's a totally different situation, isn't it? Yeah, I'd forgotten that, actually. Uh, see, I think like the main thing is we don't have to worry so much about Dominic not being available anymore, is, 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 is the thing. Well, obviously, it's been the biggest, such a big headache when he hasn't been available the last two seasons, really. He's six foot four or so. He's fast. He's really strong, and he works hard. I mean, if you've got a striker who's got all them attributes, it's going to be it's, it's going to be a handful at the end of the day. And just just to be able to have him in there to bring in, and Chimiti is impressing me. Yeah, maybe not so much the, the other day, but certainly the, the the little sort of cameos and little bits of games he's had. He, he's picking up quicker than I thought he would, uh, Chimiti. So yeah, I think he's, I think he's coming along really nicely too. So um. Yeah, much much safer hands up there, aren't we? Um, than than we have been for some time now, really. So, uh, yeah, that's a that definitely a relief. And yeah, he's doing okay, but we just got to give him just got to give him time and get him, you know, get give him give him the the opportunity to to get up to speed. It might take a while, it might take a season. You know what I mean? You just got to just yeah. But it's 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 good that it's it's just an option there that isn't the you know, Mope essentially. That is you know. Had, <laughs> I don't just mean in height, but head and shoulders. But <laughs> what we had on the pitch, uh, you know, last season or even earlier this season. Yeah, and it seems based on Neil Mope's comments uh, after the after the Brentford's game that uh, Beto's got a better uh, better uh, mentality on his shoulders as well. 
So, um, but and also worth noting that in the context of him sort of occupying defenders and giving them problems, it was he won the free kick that we that we scored the goal from. So, uh, yeah, yeah, plenty of uh, plenty of time for better to come to come good. Uh, interesting that um, I think I certainly expected a bit more from Jack Harrison so far. I think that his he's certainly earning his corn in terms of work rate. Uh, up and down that right side, obviously he's um, you know, providing that that cover for for Ashley Young, um, and yet despite really not showing himself to be the player that I thought he was at Leeds, he's weighed in with a couple of assists with his with you know nice nice deliveries with what I think it's his weaker foot um, from the right. So it, it's nice that you know some of these players haven't really hit hit their stride yet, and yet we're putting the results together away from home. Well, I think Harrison really is. <laughs> he just seems to sum up what an Everton player is at the moment. He's got some qualities, but he's also got some some big flaws. You know, some, as I mentioned on the on the last podcast about the the pinball machine. You know, sometimes his crosses will be exquisite, and other times they'll just they'll just fly over the bar. But what what I think he lacks in sort of accuracy sometimes and consistency. I do like the fact that he is just a hard working player. Mm-hmm. And I think at times, you know, that can be enough to get you a result, even if, you know, the the quality isn't always on show. And I've actually got a, a one of my best friends as a Leeds fan, and he did say that, you know, there'll be a game where he pulls something out of the bag, which is just spectacular, and then he will go cold for five games. But then he'll, you know, he'll put in a really good, you know, next three games. He's very, he's very up and down, but what he will do is he will deliver moments. Um, and so I think... I think again, it's it, it's it's a it's a good thing that he's there. Um, the only disappointment for me is that I would like to have seen Danjuma more involved throughout the season, mm-hmm. um, because I think as well, like I may be reading Danjuma completely wrong, but in terms of I think he's one of those players who maybe has an attitude in terms of he thinks he's really good, so he wants to be playing, and I think when he's not playing, that's when you can see a dip in his form. As I say, I might be completely wrong about his character there, but in terms of keeping a player happy, I would like to see Deitch make earlier substitutions so that when Beto is called upon, when Chimiti is called upon, when Dan Juma is called upon, they aren't coming in from the cold so much so that they have got minutes in the legs. Um, And so that's where I think, especially with McNeil, you know, in terms of his fluidity across the, the front and how he can play on the right, I think Dan Juma still has a big important role to play, but I do think he probably needs an arm around the shoulder from Deitch now to say, you know, we, we do need you, you know, and you will feature. And hopefully, you know, that is Deitch's intention because, you know, we've seen that Patterson's been out of the side, but Deitch in his press conference has said that he, you know, he really rates him. So I hope that that's the case for Dan Juma as well because I think, you know, we don't have the biggest squad and I think a player of Dan Juma's undoubted quality you know, he hasn't really shown it in his in his few cameos in the last month or so. I think that's still important. So it, it's important that we we don't rely too heavily on Harrison and McNeil because we've seen in previous seasons, you know, injuries do happen and um you know you need players to be ready when they're called upon. Your lead supporting mate could have basically been describing basically every winger we've signed over the last <laughs> 10 years yeah. when he described Jack Harrison as someone who has one good game and five not that. It could have been Kevin Morales, couldn't it? It could have been, yeah. been Damari Gray. I think that's, that's, that's probably the level of player we can attract at this point in time. You know, gone are the days of the likes of Pinar out on the, out on the flank who were, who were 
on the whole, uh, sublime. So I think Harrison has shown enough. And as, as you mentioned, Lyndon, he's, he's waiting with some important, well, a, a really important goal, um, a great goal and some, and some nice assists as well. I think he shows in the goal at Forest that ability to take the ball on either side where he brings it down on the left-hand side and then it's, it's a ball in with his right foot. That's something we've not really had for a while since, I don't know, maybe Gordon to some extent. Um, more on him later, I'm sure. But I think there's there's enough there. But I I agree, I'd like to see more from some of these players who um, who are on the bench. I, I do feel that over this winter period, we've started to see now that Anar and Carl, that Luna are out the side. And it's worth saying as well, to get a result at Forest any time under, under these circumstances, good to do it without arguably our two sort of best technical players is, you know, makes it even more impressive. But you do feel that other injuries, other suspensions might start to build up and it would be nice to see more of Dan Juma, even if I've been unimpressed largely by him so far in an Everton shirt. Um, he's clearly played at a much higher level and has, has got other gears to work through. And likewise, yeah, as we've already said, um, certainly Beto, the fullback position is another one on the right-hand side, at least, where you would expect as well over this winter period to see some rotation because Ashley Young wasn't really targeted too much against Forrest, but you feel like in these upcoming games against very pacey opponents, if I was Eddie Howe or um, or Pochettino, and I wouldn't be doing this podcast if I was, then I would certainly be looking at that right-hand side and thinking that's that's where the ball's going time and time and time again. Because the, the few times Forrest did get in there, it, 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 it looks our position of weakness. And I, I feel... I'm not singling Ashley Young out too much for his performance on Saturday. He didn't make too many mistakes. Although um, I think we did say about the um, the set piece moment where he he, he took the ball uh, off off the likes of uh, Garner McNeil was a bit frustrating when he hit straight into the wall. But beyond that, he didn't really do too much wrong. Um, but that's hardly the bar isn't set too high with Ashley Young performances, is it? And I do feel that in these next couple of games, certainly against City in December as well he's going to be coming up against some really quick, sharp opponents. So, again, it's another area where I'd like to see a bit of rotation. Flip side of that is we're seeing settled performances in other areas of the side, and we mentioned it in the kind of closing stages with Tarkovsky and Bramthwaite. Certainly Mikolenko, those those three together look really, really gelled and, uh, and strong at the moment. And also game time for the likes of McNeil now, who's, who seems to have a better relationship with Mikolenko and, and the players in the middle as well. So, there's something to be said for a settled side, but I, I'm, I'm with you. I would like to see some more of these fringe players and see what they can do as well. I think it's just just a fact that we're bound to see changes in the next two weeks because we've got so many games. I mean, the, the, the same team really cannot play Thursday. What, what, what have we got coming up? Thursday, Sunday, well, midweek, weekend again. I mean, you know... It, you can't do it. Um, so we will see changes. Um, and it'll be interesting, actually. It'll be interesting in which games he just des- the, the decisions he can make, which games he decides to change it for, and what exactly he decides to change. I mean, going back to Harrison, I, I, I found myself kind of um, watching him probably too closely, and it was probably a bit harsh in the end, in my own head. With the ball on Sunday, um, sorry, Saturday night, 
Harrison did absolutely nothing with the ball, really. Um, I know there was the ball in for, for the goal, but I was so disappointed with when he just got the ball, not, in, not even in an attacking position, just kind of, you know, middle third. Nothing really came of it. And I was really frustrated by that. This was obviously at a time where we weren't in front. Um, and so I was, again, thinking, come on, we've got to win this game. How are we going to do it? And I was, I was thinking, can Dan Juma not do as be- a, you know, a, a better job out there? But then you think, is Dan Juma going to be the change when he wants to rest a Corey? And play Dan Juma more in the middle. He seems to like the two wide of that being hard working and shape and all the rest of it. Um, but then I don't know who comes in for him then. Um, but yeah, I think it's just a fact of the matter that we are definitely going to see changes in that Everton team in the next two, three weeks. And um, it's how the squad copes with that, isn't it? Really, that will be the, the story of the, of the festive period. Yeah. It's Thursday, Sunday, Saturday, Tuesday. <clears throat> Over the next, okay, is it two two weeks? So it's yeah. not it's not too bad, is it? It's not it's not kind of you know it's not every midweek, right? And we've seen Ashley Young play, you know, the, the cup tie and then the the weekend game. I think completed almost ninety minutes in both matches. So you know, I think Deitch is not not afraid to, as we've seen, stick with the stick with the settled side. And I think particularly in that defense, was we're really, really seeing the benefits. Um, I mean, James Tarkowski had a bit of a sort of a, an iffy start to the season, but he's really, really established, establishing himself again now. It's just a just an unbelievable signing on, on a free transfer. Uh, and then you know, we've said everything we need to say about Branthwaite. I mean, he's just so he's just so calm, so collected, uh, just a real talent. And you know, Mikalenko, many of us written, wrote him off, I think, in, the, in his, in his early, part, early part of his Everton career. And he's just, he's just settled in and is just doing a job on a week-in, week week-out basis. Um, so, yeah, I think there's just plenty of it's, – it's a settled side now and it's got um, – and it knows what it's about and knows what it needs to do. Uh, I think, as we all know, we now need to, to try and resolve this, um, this home form, which we obviously spoke about last week. Um, particularly against teams who are much better than us on paper, um, you know it's it's going to make these next two games against Newcastle really really tricky if we if we if we perform the way that we have, particularly against Manchester United. And I'm talking obviously in terms of not in terms of chance creation, but you know obviously that final third execution. Um, the Barcos have their injury problems, but obviously it's not stopped them from getting some um, decent results over the last week or two. Um, the one that stands out to me. Where they're concerned in the context of Thursday, though, is their 2-0 loss to Bournemouth a month back. I suspect the atmosphere will be there uh, again at Goodison under the lights. Um, so we do have a good opportunity to start making Goodison a fortress again, don't we, Paul? Yeah, I mean, back-to-back home games, right? Is it Newcastle and Chelsea? But, but you know, and, um, yeah. so I think we'll win one of them at least. I think I think we'll you know we'll hopefully turn a bit of a corner at home because we've been. I just think a lot of averages. I mean, if you just create in most of the games, just norm, number of chances we, we've we've had. Surely there's got to be a game sooner or later when, or a few games when we just just some of them go in, or even we don't create as much but win. Yeah, you know I mean, because uh, I think yeah you know, we've been a bit unlucky in a lot of the games. Certainly in terms of chances created, anyway. So um, and does that feel like I feel like we owe Newcastle one a little bit as well? I mean, they you know they came and beat us you know battered us really, didn't they last uh, last season at Goodison Park and. Um, the debaters away last season as well, and I think away the season before that. I think we had that late late Awobi goal the season before. 
in the COVID season, they beat us twice. You know what I mean? It feels like they used to, it used to be a team we'd beat all the time, certainly at home. And now it's a team we, we hardly ever beat. So I feel like we've got to sort of, turn, you know, turn that around a little bit. And um, yeah, I don't know, I can't say under the lights, but it feels like we'll always play Newcastle under the lights now. It's always an even, it's always a midweek game, isn't it? Home all the way. So that's nothing new. Um, yeah, it's, I, I don't know if we this one or the Sunday one, but I feel we'll win one of them two games. And I'm not, I'm, by that, I don't necessarily mean we'll lose the other one. We might draw the other one, but I think there's a there's a win somewhere in the next two games. And I'm quite confident in that. But uh, yeah, it's certainly, certainly an opportunity to, to address that home form, definitely. Um, yeah, let's see. Um, but just, just quickly on saying about... Um, Dice can't change that. He's going to have to change the team at some point. You think very much challenge accepted as far as, as, far as Sean Dice will we'll say it. I think he likes to stick with that team, doesn't he, as, as much as he can. But the Corvey's on four yellows. I can't see him getting through them next two games without picking up a yellow card against uh, Newcastle or Chelsea. So he'll have to change it at some point. There's a lot of, um, there's a few players on four there, I think, aren't there, in terms of booking. So, plan for week two, I think. And there's a, uh, just a game maybe on three. So, um, yeah, there's definitely going to be changes in there. But um, do you see him changing it for Thursday? I, I can't really see him making any changes to that team really at the moment. Dom might come in. I think that his, oh, he yeah, suggested sorry. I think he suggested afterwards that, that Dom might play Thursday, but that Anana's got a little bit longer to go. So, uh, yeah. And I, I'm surprised we haven't seen Seamus Coleman yet uh, off the bench. Mm. Because again, to uh, you know, to the point about players coming off, coming into the side cold, you know, I think, yeah, I think I, I'd like to see him, you know, if only to kind of to, to settle my own uh, nerves about Ashley. <laughs> I think the difference with the likes of Coleman being eased back in is that he's a player that Deitch already knows and already has that level of trust with. Whereas some of the others that we've spoken about, clearly that's not necessarily built up yet, and. I think that's a reason why, obviously, we're seeing makes sense why we're seeing so much of Dom and why Beto has been used sparingly up until now, apart from the game uh, games where uh, Dom's not been available. But I think with with Sheamus, it it does seem the obvious one that he would he would at least start to come in for the the last sort of ten fifteen minute of games. Um, but yeah, Dom back in that side is is good news. But as, as I say, I don't think it necessarily changes how we approach the game. Um, against Newcastle because Beto is a like for like, if if not a perfect impressionist for uh, what Dom can do. Yeah, I think when the when the points deduction came in, and even before then, I felt like this week would be sort of season defining, just because it's the two home games on the bounce. It's you know at Goodison we need to change it round, and I think really if we can get positive results, you know between three and six points. I think that is where Everton take a step forward away from the rubbish we've experienced over the last two years. I think it's that important. And I think if we were to lose the games in the same way that we have, I think Deitch really needs to take a look at changing things in how he approaches it or the tactics or something. But for me at home, I think that the real issue is Abdelai Decore's position because I feel like in the final third... Um, because he is quite a sloppy player and he does lose possession quite easily. Um, I think that that needs addressing somehow. And for me personally, I'd love to see Dwight McNeil play behind the striker just because I think he keeps the ball better. I think he can work better with the centre forward. And, you know, that could mean that Patterson's right back and 
dare I say, Ashley Young plays in midfield, maybe. Or, you know, and then you, you bring in the core eight on to get on into games then when he's full of energy. I think that there's something wrong with the with the, the home setup. I, ju- I just think that, you know, a lot of people have said we've made chances, but I think now we've had enough bad results to see that there is something there that needs that needs tweaking. And for me, it is when we're getting the ball into that final third, the amount of times that we give possession away is massive. Yeah. Um, so for me, I'd maybe take the core out. And as I say, I, I want to see McNeil on the ball more. I really do. And I think with Harrison and Danjuma, I think you can afford to do that. And it could be quite fluid, that front three, uh, and give the opposition to think about. But at the moment, I think it you know it works to an extent. But I think Decore is just so much better um, away from home because I think, quite simply, that the pressure isn't as great. And you know your, your counter-attack can be a bit more stunted, whereas at home, you're in the ascendancy and you need Everton to, you know, be, be having a go. And I, I just feel that it, it breaks down far too much. So, you know, and that's where I point to, you know, I want to see Dan Juma involved a bit more so that when we need him, we can. But I think this week is really going to define where we're at and whether or not Deitch needs to, to switch something up, really. Interesting looking at Newcastle's away form. They've won one Premier League game away from home all season, and that was 8-0 at Sheffield United. Really? Wow. They've won two away games in all competitions all season, and the other one was at Old Trafford when they've eaten 3-0 in the League Cup. And they've got every weekend and every midweek past Boxing Day, because, of course, they've got Champions League football as well, and they're still in the League Cup. So, you know, you could argue... It is a game that we can probably look at a bit deeper than just looking at the table and saying, well, they're quite good and we're all right. You know, they haven't been very good away from home at all. Um, at home, they've been incredible. Um, but yeah, and, and, and I, we've still got this stat going around that um, which still stands that if we score first in a game under Sean Dyche, we still haven't lost. Um, 10 wins and four draws. So what have we got to do to score first at Goodison? I mean, we did do it against Brighton and Drew. Um, but what have we got to do to score first at Goodison? I mean, it, 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 is it as simple as, not simple, but is, is it, is it this, the side or is it just how they play? The way I, the way I look at it, I think the, I, I think I, I was right to an extent in that, like, some of the performances, it is maddening how badly we are in possession. I find particularly in the in in the opposition half, just the amount of chances. I did see some stat you had like eighteen big chances created and one scored at home or something ridiculous like that. Is it a psychology issue? Is it like the burden of expectation at home? Is it is it the pressure of being at home that plays a fluff in the lines in front of the goal? Is that you know is, is there something in that? Because they, yeah, they're putting these away, away, away from home, aren't they? Yeah, you know I mean, so or or is it just a, a bit of bad luck and a little bit of, you know, is it, is it just going to be one of these games when, you know, when a few of them, a few of them go in? Yeah, you know I mean, you saw it, it feels a while ago now when we beat Bournemouth three 0 See, how, see how, how, how much they relaxed once they got two up and they you were know, just like really, really confident and composed, weren't they? So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 a few games ago, I was probably thinking, nah, it's just bad luck. It's going to change, but now I just. I'm thinking more than more. Are they just bottling it? Yeah, you know I mean, is it is it a psychology thing? And because yeah, I don't think performance have been great at home, but I think a goal can change that to make it become a good performance. Does that make sense? So, but I don't know. Say we missed a few early ones against Bournemouth. 
Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't have been like, wouldn't have been probably leave and go, oh, wow, that was that was terrific, that was amazing. You know what I mean? It's, um, it's, goals change the way things are, the way think, the way, the way, the way the game pans out, the way the team performs. So, yeah, it's just, it's just about putting it in. So, um, yeah, I think it's just become a little bit too much of a burden for them, for them now. And, I don't know, maybe just, you know, win this one, win again on Sunday. And, you know, it, it can just change very quickly, can't it? But, um, just got to start pulling it in. I know it sounds very, very simple, but that's, that's, that's what it comes down to. <laughs> My worry is that's exactly what Sean Dyche is saying. <laughs> and, that's, and, that's, and that's how simple it is. Um, I guess I, the, the one other thing to take into account is, on the one hand, Newcastle coming off the back of a, a really good win and they're performing pretty well in the Champions League as well. Probably should have beaten PSG. Um, but then the flip side of that is they've got a lot of players out injured. So if we could play them at any point, and um, as we've said, they've got a hell of a busy festive period as well. But you look at their first eleven; it doesn't really, doesn't really strike fear into me. I look and I see Almiron and Gordon potentially up at the top. Isak, yeah, they're they're good players, but I feel we look solid at the back. And then I I look at their back line and think we've got enough players to hurt them. And I'd say a similar thing about Chelsea, although the one thing is but both of those sides have players in who can hurt you on the day, but it feels a little bit like Forrest at the weekend where maybe not as much fear as there, there would be under normal circumstances. Yeah, for me, I, I kind of treat the, the, the... I don't think they're bottling it. I think I think it all comes down to just a lack of execution in the final third. I think it's all wrapped up, the, the approach play, you know, some of these... Um, these opportunities that, that we get in transition, particularly with uh, with Dukure, you know, it's just the, the final ball's not there, then the, the final, the finish isn't there. I mean, and we've seen on a, on a couple of occasions players, you know, we've had a player either side and then the player will just go for it themselves. Um, we saw that with uh, Calvert-Lewin against United. He had one really good chance where he cut inside and then just to powder puff shot straight into the, into the goalkeeper's arms. I think it's, we need something to kind of break there. Uh, you know, up, up front. So we just need to be much, much more clinical. So I don't think it's a, it's a case of bottling. At least that's that's not just not not the way that I see it. You're listening to the Toffee Web Podcast. Well, we, haven't, we haven't spoken much about Chelsea, have we? Chelsea are. I, I don't really know what to make of Chelsea because they, you know, they potentially on paper have an even better side than Newcastle, but they're not as good a team. Clearly they're not they're not in the same place psychologically. They don't seem to be coached as, as well yet. Obviously Pochettino's got to get his uh, his feet under the table there. They just within the last couple of weeks seem to be finding their feet a bit. Um but yeah, they've got they've got fast players in Sterling if you know if if he plays, they've got uh, obviously uh, Nicholas Jackson up front who's scoring goals. They're going to be a handful, but at the same time, they they seem susceptible at the back, and I'm hoping that that's something that we can that we can take advantage of in both of these games. Neither one of those these next two teams are um, unbeatable from a from a defensive standpoint. Absolutely. I mean, if you look at Chelsea's league form, I think the last time they kept a clean sheet in the league was October against Fulham. I think that's right. Um, conceded four against City, four against Newcastle. They won at the weekend, but they conceded two to Brighton. Um, they they don't really keep clean sheets. So that game to me, again, if we think of those big 
Goodison games under the likes of uh, Duncan Ferguson under Lampard as well against Chelsea. Um, it felt like we had to dig in more, whereas this Chelsea side feels a, a lot a lot less predictable, uh, a lot less uh, solid. But then they do have really dangerous players, lots of speedy players up front, certainly. So I wouldn't say I'm 100% confident about either game against Newcastle or Chelsea, but I'm also with Paul in that I feel like at least one of them, something has to break. And I think if we can show anything near the level of performances we have away at home in one of those games, I, I can I can see us getting something because they're both sides to me as well that probably prefer to play a little bit on the counter. Um, Pochettino sides have always done that and Newcastle kind of do as well. So the fact that we also sort of play that way uh, to some extent or, or at least look probably most dangerous when we do, even if we don't always make the most of those opportunities, I think I think there's something that will give in those games. So I'd say... I I I feel like we we're more likely to beat Chelsea than Newcastle if if I had to pick one, but I I take either and preferably I'd take both. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, Chelsea have got Man United away as well uh, Wednesday night, so two yeah. you know two tough games away, isn't it, for Chelsea? So yeah, maybe um like they'll have a day's a day's rest on on us because we play Thursday, but yeah yeah could be I think it's an opportunity to get some for you yeah. Yeah, we've really got to start turning this around at home, haven't we? Yeah, I mean, we can't just keep on keep on having this. Like, oh, we were unlucky there. We need to need to put a bit of a draw a bit of a line in the sand somewhere. And, um, yeah, certainly, you know, back to back home games, whoever you're against, really, it's not it's an opportunity, isn't it? And and you know, we're not talking normally. We're playing Chelsea at home. We're normally probably talking about the second or third best team in the country. We're talking about the eleventh best team in the country at the moment. You know, so twelfth, uh, eleventh, whatever it is. So. Um, yeah, and again, Newcastle, not quite at the best. So it's yeah, certainly opportunities there to, to take something from, from these games. Nothing scares you, does it? Really? No. Like, no. About, about Chelsea, especially. Um, it's not. A, I mean, I don't, I don't look at either game really this week and think, oh, wow, we've got a tough week. You know, uh, it, it's. They're, they're both sides that I think if, if the ingredients are right at Goodison, which they should be, we've got a really good chance. I mean, I don't know. It good as, it's a strange, like we were talking about earlier, it's, it's a strange place at the moment. I, it, it, I, it's more likely to go either way. Either we'll get no points or we'll get six. <laughs> because it just has that about it at the moment. It's just that it's good as it seems confusing at the moment <laughs> to me. And that's as a fan. I don't think it was like as a player. <laughs> Yeah, I think as well. In when we play the the bigger sides, I think Dyke has been quite conservative in how he set up, and I think really to to get Goodison going, you need to be on the front foot a bit more. So as I said before, it may be just a tweak in how we're approaching these games to to really go for the jugular jugular, you know, especially against Chelsea, the the, the time that they've had, you know, I think that that's how we can really take advantage of it. And to be fair, we never really got the chance to get going against United because they scored that ridiculous goal you know, after three minutes. You know That changes the whole complexion, particularly if you're talking about how good we are scoring the first goal. If you don't even get the chance to score the first goal. But, but even with that, and I know it was very, very early in the game, but even with that, from the kickoff, we pretty much retreated. Yeah. yeah. United, United, I don't think we touched the ball, did we, before United scored? I mean, we may have, but... It, it, I, I can't really remember us having the ball before United scored. And it, and it was just that kind of 
that tone was kind of set. I think I, even as a, watching it on the telly, and even after seconds of the game, you just thought, "Oh, okay, they got the ball, and we're we're not, we're, you know, it's not a kind of one of those vociferous kind of raucous kind of on pitch performances at Goodison." Already, it wasn't. Um, and I think, like we we're saying, away from home, yeah, you can kind of go for five, ten minutes. All right, what have you got? But at Goodison, I, th- I just think there either needs to be a tackle, or there needs to be a there needs to be a corner, or there needs to be a something. And it, and I think then it starts, you know, the kind of juggernaut starts to roll a bit. Where I think, you know, even if we haven't conceded a goal recently early at Goodison, we haven't done that thing that just gets the place going. Um, which you just don't need to do away from home. It's it, you know it's one of those strange things in football, isn't it? That the same game, you know, the goals are at the same ends, and there's eleven on each team. But it could be such a different sport when you're playing at your own ground. <laughs> it's true. Okay, let's uh, move on to our weekly question. Which, in the spirit of Dwight McNeil's sweet strike to win it at the City Ground, this week's question is simply: Who is your favourite ever left-footed Everton player? Got a long list here. Uh-huh. Royston Trenter. <laughs> Billy Electonoff. I'm just going to get out there now. Just, mm. just put these names <laughs> out into the ether. Um, well, I mean, I, I, we're going to come down to the same few here, aren't we? But um, <laughs> I, I, I might guess go slightly different because I think I know what might be coming. But um, the, the, first, the first real, I suppose, the first real proper... Um, solely left-footed player that I really enjoyed watching and I enjoyed watching it for a very specific reason was Andy Hinchcliffe um, because I was that age where uh, I was kind of really getting into who was who and who played where and and obviously then we went and won the cup and and his crosses I never forget just his crosses into the box for Duncan just seemed to happen kind of quite a lot um and that was at a time I remember Everton, like, oh, I don't know what I was, like between 10 and 13, would I have been then? 12 and 14, something like that. And it, Everton, you know, footy is just magic, isn't it? It's just magic. And um, having a left foot that is literally just for standing on, um, I could never understand <laughs> um, anybody being able to use it like that. And, um, and yeah, I just, he just, the way he whipped it in and, um, I, I just love watching Andy Hinchcliffe, and I, I can't really remember much about else about his game. It wasn't as if I kind of I wasn't really at the age where I studied performances as such, um, but I just remembered that sweet left foot. Um, and you can only have a wand of a left foot; you can't have a wand of a right. Um, <laughs> and he, he definitely had a wand. It's <laughs> very true. I, I am left footed. Uh, very cultured left foot is again you can only have a culture left true foot. Too. <laughs> uh, uh, um, but um I initially my my thought was towards I, I, I firstly I misread the question that was the first thing so I, I was gonna jump in and say Dinyar Billy Lettinov against Wolves uh, that's the best left foot ever goal. I was gonna come steamrolling in. Um I really wish you had it on he's, yeah 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 full of of confidence, um, but uh, one against Portsmouth was good as well. But he's probably not my favourite uh, left foot Everton player. I'll, I'll probably say in terms of in terms of players that I've seen live regularly because obviously there's some great ones down the years. I think it probably has to be Leighton Baines. I think he, 
was so cultured <laughs> to use that word um in the way he looks the way he moves the way he took the ball and i think particularly ahead of the newcastle game it takes us back to that that game at st james's park with probably the best free kick you could probably ever score and certainly something i would dream of doing um as an everton player um with my own left foot it's it's a he he always 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 looked good always at least 7 out of 10 um just a nice guy and it, it's great that he's still with the club so I, yeah Leighton Baines but it's it's yeah, it's a pretty easy one that I'd say in terms of modern ones but see if anyone's got anything different Paul no I'd have to go with Leighton Baines I mean I, I could I could you know I could be I could be all funky and go you know oh I think uh, Kevin Colban but you know something like that but um... <laughs> that would be funky yeah sorry but uh, <laughs> I mean I, I, guess, I guess one that uh, I guess quite poignantly I guess you get Gabby Speed it's it's not too long since uh, well not too long it's recently the anniversary of his passing and yeah I guess I guess that's one to sort of recognise he was he was a fabulous player but. Um, yeah, like I think one thing that always that frustrates me with Leighton Baines is he's never in that conversation for best Premier League left backs. Now, no, I'm not saying he's better than better than Ashley Cole. Ashley Cole's probably uh, your best you're really ever going to get for, for, for that regard. But he's never anywhere near that conversation because he played for Everton, really. You know what I mean? Um, because and, and his capability, just you know, with obviously putting the ball in. And, uh, you know, a lot of goals and assists, etc. It was brilliant. But he was part of that defence with, like, the record clean sheets, wasn't he? There was, like, 15 clean sheets or something like that in the season. I forget how many exactly. But he was part of a really, really, really good defence as well. You know what I mean? Which kept a lot of clean sheets. So, people always have this lazy, like, assumption. Oh, was he great defensively? He was. He was very good defensively. That's one of the, the gripes I have with that. So, um, and a good lad as well. Leighton as well. It's, good. it's obviously good to have a local player. There, so um, yeah, for for a lot of reasons, uh, Leighton Baines would be uh, be my favourite. I think Baines up there for me as well. But of course, just got to check with Adam when he said he looked good. Adam, and he was seven out of ten. Is that for his looks or his performance? Oh, both, both, both I, right. I, I, <laughs> and, and, and I said at least seven out of ten. I mean, yeah. usually, usually for me, Leighton's a strong nine, especially if he's got a guitar case. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, like for me, Baines, I think he's got a really strong case to be in Everton's all-time eleven. You know, he, he was he was that good. And certainly for my generation, I think he's the one player that I think I wrote a piece for Toffee Web Linden, you know, he's the one player from my generation where I can tell the grandkids about him and say he was a special, special player. Um it's just that ability that as as you said, Adam, just that consistency. Um but I agree with Paul, you know, Gary Speed, Gareth Barry, you know, just just imagine them in five aside, the way they keep the ball, the way they use it. Um but I've got to say as well, a player that I didn't rate when I was younger, but now I've looked back and I can say that he's got a cultured left foot, Idan Tal. Not a massively effective player, not a, a star performer, but when it comes to just a wand of a left foot, you know, Idan Tal in the, in the playing back boots is up there as well. And I also as well... I, Got to mention Nuno Valente. Mm. Just loved him. <laughs> Got to. Um, but I, I think there is always something, isn't there, as you said, about a wand of a left foot, cultured left foot. When a player has a left foot, they're just instantly better than like the right side of equivalent. And it's, um, it is. And we can't let it go. I'm sure, actually, I won't, I won't 
mention it until Lyndon has. I'm sure Lyndon will have a different answer. I do. And in the spirit of Andy's, you know, Andy's talking about his, you know, his teenage years of, uh, of you know, when football was, you know, just magic. It has to be Kevin Sheedy. Um, having seen. Are you going to say Pop No, no. I, I, I mean, that year, I mean, they were both fantastic players with, with great left feet. Uh, Kevin Sheedy will, I think, you know, go down as, as, as the, the archetypal cultured wand of a left foot. Um, you know, he, <laughs> it's funny, I, the, the, the more the game moves on, the less you think he'd be um, capable of sort of fitting in in the modern game because he really was, his defensive responsibilities were largely neglected, but that's because he made up for it with just a, just a, a stunning left foot, um, scored some fantastic goals and just a re- very reliable outlet in terms of scoring goals. So yeah, it has, would have to be Kevin Cheedy for me. Al, did you really not pick Duncan Ferguson? Mm. <laughs> yeah, Duncan's was all holding it up, wasn't it? And no, I will give it to Baines. Although, oh yeah, of course, Duncan needs a mansion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we have to do a whole new show just about left footers. Just we? about left footers. Yeah, it's a, a broad, a broad topic. But uh, <laughs> we'll leave it there. Uh, thanks, team. Uh, we'll leave it there and, re- and reconvene early next week when we'll no doubt have plenty to discuss. Two big games for Everton coming up, which when you consider that Luton next face Arsenal and then Man City, uh, they present us with a good chance of being out of the bottom three by the time we travel to Burnley on the 16th. Uh, so fingers crossed. And until uh, next time, Blues, all the very best and up the immovable toffees. Yeah,